Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is your host, Tia. This is your host, Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top 10. Why? everyone and welcome back to another awesome episode of the top 10 by geek five nation as that intro said i'm your host tia and today i have a really awesome co-host with me today good morning juan what's going on tia um you know what i am just kind of ready to dive deep into this podcast and i should probably tell the listeners what it's even about. That would be helpful. Um, Today, we are doing the top 10 movies that are based on real-life events. And as Juwan and I were talking um, about in the pre-show, most movies actually do have, like, an aspect of real-life dramatization to them. That because Hollywood, and I'm not trying to, I guess, insult Hollywood, but there's not a lot of uh, new ideas out there. So they'll take a lot of inspiration from real life or, you know, events that maybe they read or something like that and turn it into a movie. So I'm interested to see what our list is going to consist of today, because as you said, John, you have a few in there that you just weren't expecting at all to be based right. on real life. So that's going to be certainly interesting. And I think that we should just kind of jump right into it. So I'm going to give you the number 10 spot. All right. So for the number 10 pick, I'm going a movie that I still to this day have no idea how I did not get an Oscar. Um, But then again, I don't really know what its competition was that year. But I'm going Pursuit of Happiness. Um, That was one of the few times where I really was like, because I do believe Will Smith often just takes roles where he's just playing Will Smith. Um, but nothing about that role felt like just typical Will Smith. It felt like an Oscar actor. Um, it was beautiful. Uh, story of a father and son um, just trying to make it. Um, I will say one of the saddest scenes I think I've ever seen in a movie came from Pursuit of Happiness. Um, 
where they didn't have anywhere to sleep, so they slept in the bathroom. Um, and he, like, has his foot against the door trying to stop people from coming in. Um, that was very, very, very emotional. And um, it's weird because that was that movie is when I thought Jaden was going to be a star. Um, I thought he was amazing. Uh, little, little did I know he was going to become a star from rapping, uh, but his acting ability in that movie was freaking amazing. So my number 10 pick is going to um, Pursuit of Happiness. It's funny that you say that because I was just talking about this with um, one of my cousins yesterday that Will Smith does happen to take roles where he plays Will Smith in them, but um, there are those cases where then all of a sudden he has a movie and you suddenly see that, no, this guy can actually act, but I guess, you know, why not take the paycheck if you can, right? Uh, Juwan, you are actually going to kill me for this, but I have never seen The Pursuit of Happiness. Really? I don't know what's wrong. Yeah. It's not that I haven't wanted to. I've seen, like, people talk about how uh, good it was and how, um, you know, as you said, it probably should have won an Oscar. The fact that it didn't is a little shocking. But I've never seen it. But um, I did think I heard that it was uh, based on true events there. Yeah. It, it was about <clears throat> Will Smith's character. Um was very smart and um, was trying to to get this in, uh, invention off. Um, and he was looking for funding. He was looking for so many. But on his way to becoming successful, um, he just literally had hit rock bottom. Like just, like I said, they were sleeping in a bathroom. Um, but no, I, I completely understand that you may not have may not have seen. It. Like I said, it's a very sad movie. It's not one. Um, you know what I compare this to, even though it's on a way. Excuse me, way different degree. Um, I think it's the boy in the striped pajamas. Like, if someone told me they've never seen that movie, I wouldn't suggest it because it's so sad. So it's like, if you didn't see it, good because it, it's just really depressing. Um, well, but if you, go ahead. I was gonna say as uh, you were talking, I had you, uh, I had myself on mute, and my boyfriend was in the back going, that's ridiculous, Tia. You should see that movie, like The Pursuit of Happiness. I'm like, okay, so <laughs> that's really one of those things I have to get on it. <laughs> it's a, like I said, it's a really, really, really good movie. And it, like we were saying about Will Smith, it's like you look, he does Wild Wild West to where you're like, all right, he's literally just Will Smith. Then boom, he gives you a Pursuit of Happiness that reminds you how great of an actor he truly is. Um, but yeah, like I said, it, it was a beautiful performance by him and his son. Um, and it's definitely one I think deserves to be on the list. Awesome. Yeah. I think that that's a really strong way to start off this list because I know that I'm in the minority here of people who haven't seen it. So I'm sure that anyone who has seen the pursuit of happiness is 100% going to agree with you. So I think that's an awesome way to start the list. I'm going to hop into the number nine spot, and I'm actually going to do um, a, a sports movie, believe it or not, even though I'm not, like, the biggest fan of sports at all. For some reason, I really just enjoy sports movies. They're really well done. Um, but I'm going to do Remember the Titans, because I still to this day think that it's one of my favorite movies. I absolutely love all of the performances in that uh, film. I just love, like, this story of, you know, you have uh, 
the players from the white team and you have the players from uh, the African-Americans and there's obviously conflict at first because it's right in that time uh, of desegregation and stuff like that. And of course, with any movie that kind of has to deal within that time, there's always conflict. And But then to see how they all just come together throughout the movie and start putting aside all of these differences and realizing that we're all just human beings and them just becoming family essentially was just so like inspiring and it was so well done and just like the the end of the that movie was so sad because you know the one guy dies in it and not dies I think he it's been a while since I've seen it. I think he becomes like handicapped or something, but it really just, like, and of course you have Denzel Washington in it, who is, like, probably, like, one of the best actors of all time for any generation, and, you know, just all around, Remember the Titans has to be one of my, like, favorite films, and it's about football, which I normally have, like, no, uh, like, interest in whatsoever, but just the fact that they told, like, this really beautiful story using uh, football as, like, the catalyst is just, like, amazing to me. So I'm definitely going to put, um, like, Remember the Titans as my number nine slot. So I'm assuming, Juwan, that you've seen that movie just because I know you like sports. So And it has Denzel Washington. So, like, who, like, doesn't love Denzel Washington? Yeah, it's just a double whammy. Um, I actually uh, never had any interest in that movie. I had to see it when I was actually in high school. Um, Remember the Titans was a movie they forced us to watch during um, health class, like when it was like a slow day or there was a substitute. They would always play either that or Ninja Turtles, like the old Ninja Turtles, um, which is probably why I hate that movie because I've had to see it so much. But um, I remember seeing it when we were in health class. Everyone was kind of talking. It was hard to kind of, like, really pay attention to it. So I watched it on my own. And that is definitely one of Denzel's, um, one of his best performances. It was a great movie. It was a great movie. Um, it hit on a lot of social uh, social issues that we still somewhat face today. Um, obviously not to that extent. Uh, but, again, it could depend on <laughs> where you live in America. But it was just a, a great movie. It was a great movie, hands down. Uh, there's very few roles Denzel does that uh, I won't rave over. I think Magnificent Seven is, is the Denzel performance I could think of. That and Out of Time. So both those movies are just horrible. Um, but wow, we're gonna time. have we're gonna yeah. have to disagree for like a hot second. I really liked uh, the redo of Magnificent Seven. And Denzel Everyone tells me that. <laughs> Everyone tells me they love Magnificent Seven. I just, I, I don't see it. I, I, I thought you had a lot of good actors, but the script was horrible. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a compare, and like, not to get too off track, but to compare it to the original, which like, you know, I grew up watching with my grandparents. So I put off watching the remake for like years because I was like, nothing can compare to the original. But I saw it and I liked it. I was like, oh, you know what? This was a pretty good, uh, pretty good remake of a classic. But that's just my yeah. opinion on it. <laughs> it's funny because when I say that, like, I've never seen the original. So, like, I don't even think it's bad compared to the original. I just think it's a bad movie. Like, I've never seen the original. 
Um, but anyway, back to remember the Titans because I could talk about how much I dislike Magnificent Seven all day. Um, yeah, like, like I said, very good movie, very great movie for for its time. And I do believe I think I want to say he was uh, quarterback, the quarterback that got the he was paralyzed. I don't think he died. I don't think he died. But um, but yeah. It was a really good movie. And um, the guy from uh, Swamp Thing, I believe, was the other coach, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, what's that guy's name again? The guy who uh, played Swamp Thing? I can't think of his name. Hold on. I'm going to look it up. Uh, keep talking. I'm going to look it up. Um, well, so, so the guy who ahead. did become paralyzed, um, he did die, like, later. Like, he became uh, a paraplegic. And then, like, 10 years later, he died, like, of an automobile accident caused by a drunk driver. I'm reading it from the Wikipedia. After winning the gold medal in shot put in the uh, Paralympic Games. So, yeah, that pretty much does. Yikes. That that is something. And it is the guy from Swamp Thing, Will Will, uh, Patton. Will Patton. Okay. There you go. I mean, there's a lot of, like, good talent here. Ryan Gosling was in it. Like, it's been a while since I've seen this movie, so all I remember, obviously, is, like, you know, Denzel Washington being in it. But, yeah, I mean, it's Gosling's a lot of good Ryan Hurst. Yeah. Well, oh, I love Ryan Hurst. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, definitely my number nine is going to be Remember the Titans. Um, we're going to hop right back you, Juwan, so you can give us your number eight spot. All right, so for number eight, this movie could be a lot higher, um, but I don't think that necessarily matters because we're not necessarily, um, I don't think, rating them. But um, this movie is definitely, definitely has to be on the list. Um, deserves an Oscar, deserves the best picture, deserves best supporting uh, actor. Um, Wolf, the Wolf on Wall Street. Uh, one of Leo's best performances. And I'll say this, the the guy he was um, portraying in that movie, like he's, you know, he's done a whole bunch of interviews and and podcasts and stuff since that movie has come out. He seems more boring than what Leo made him, made him out to be. Like he just seems completely boring. Like I listened to a whole podcast he did and I'm like, Leo portrayed this guy? Like (laughs) this guy's so boring. Um, But Leo did a phenomenal job and that cast had Tia's Tia's man um John Bernthal. <laughs> uh <laughs> I and the reason I bring that up is because um you know I completely didn't know he was in the movie until so I see the scene where Leo's breakdancing and I'm like, who's that guy in a beard like in the back hyping him up? And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's John Berenthal. Like I completely forgot he was in that movie. Um, but an amazing cast, Jonah Hill, Margot Robbie. Um, this is a really, really, really good movie, uh, top to bottom, top to bottom. Uh, Leo gave an amazing performance. Also, Matthew McConaughey was in this movie. I forgot the, um, the beating on his chest. I, I completely yes. forgot about that, that scene. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, th- this movie was great. This movie was great. I don't think, Thea, I don't think you'll disagree with me. I think uh, you would agree that this movie was not only a classic, should have been an award winner, and definitely deserves to be on this list. 
So The Wolf of Wall Street was another movie that I didn't watch when it first came out. I watched it like probably like a year or something ago, and I was like, this movie is fantastic. I was like, yeah. how did it take me so long to see it? I haven't seen any of like the real-life interviews or something with the guy that Leo was uh, portraying, but he did a phenomenal job. The way that it started, like I loved everything about this movie. The narration that Leo was doing. First of all, like the fact that like none of these guys will actually, let me correct myself before I say that, because um, they did say that John Bernthal's character died, which is like, of course, you know, John Bernthal like dies most of the time in his movies, but um, <laughs> but um, the fact that like really no one else died with the amount of like drugs that they were doing was like insane. I mean, they were constantly like doing everything on the face of the planet. Um, what was like the main drug that they were all like going crazy for? I, oh, the quaaludes. Um, yes, quaaludes. <laughs> That one, that one scene where Leo's character is saying that he was able to drive this car uh, properly home, and then you realize, like, no, he wrecked the hell out of that car. Was like <laughs> one of these funny scenes, and him just trying to get Jonah Hill to get off of the phone. I was just like, what the hell is going on? But what was great about this movie was it had obviously like a lot of like comedic um aspects to it obviously but also the serious parts of it were like gut-wrenching because obviously that like end seat I don't know if it was like towards it was towards the end when him and Margot Robbie go at it and he like literally like punches her in the effing stomach and like takes the kid and gets in the car, and I'm like, oh, my God, like, what are we watching right now? Like, I was on the <laughs> edge of my seat, like, freaking out over it. So, uh, and that was great. And this movie, Wolf of Wall Street, is one of those movies that, like, anyone who's in sales watches because of the freaking, like, pen thing, you know? Sell me this pen, you know? And that one scene yeah. in the diner where Leo's trying to get all of them to do it. And John Bern, of course, my man, John Bernthal's character is the only one who actually gets it effing right. Um, but then for them to end the movie, essentially, was Leo doing one of those uh, sales pitch, um, what the hell are they called? Seminars. And, like, no one gets, like, the pen thing right. It was just great. It was a great freaking movie. At first, I didn't I know it was based on real. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was just going to say, I will say, um, the sell me the pen idea and then the whole idea on how to sell someone. Um, when I saw that movie is when I, I first got my job at Sears as a salesman. I, I worked um, home improvement in lawn and garden. Like, I had to sell tools and, and lawnmowers and snowblowers and stuff. I'll say this, like, huge shout out to Leo. Like, if I ever interview him, I'll make sure I, I, I thank him for this. That movie is how I was able to really learn the, the ins and outs on how to sell um, and then did a really good job when I actually got on the floor uh, when I got the job at Sears. Um, but that movie just opened my eyes to, like, because when I got there, their training was, like, useless to me. Uh, I just watched that movie, like, three more times and was like, all right, I think I got this thing down packed. Um, but yeah, that, that, that movie, like you said, it was great. Um, <laughs> when you were talking about him crashing the car, I was thinking about, um, him just trying to get up the stairs. Um, oh my that, that I thought was, <laughs> was hilarious. Um, the movie wasn't supposed to be funny, but it was just, it was, 
Leo was great. He, he was great. Jonah Hill was great. Um, but, yeah, like you said, that was a really, really good movie. And um, Margot Robbie also. From oh, that fantastic. movie is why I thought – yeah, that movie is why I thought she was going to be a great Harley Quinn, only for them not to use that, you know, that portrayal of her. Um <laughs> But still, the the whine, not whiny, but like the the kind of Harley Quinn voice that she was using um, was just great. It, it was great. Um, so yeah, yeah. And I don't know if you know this, but that scene with Matthew McConaughey where he's uh, banging on his chest is something that apparently Matthew McConaughey actually does to like prepare himself before going on screen. And he was like doing it uh, before. The scene was shot, and either Leo or Martin Scorsese saw it and said, "Oh, we should incorporate this in the actual movie." So I thought that was really interesting. So that's completely like Matthew McConaughey's little tidbit into the film, even though he was in it for all of like two seconds and looked that, super. Epic. Sorry, that's great. No, no, I was gonna say that's great because if you ever hear the story of where "All Right, All Right, All Right" came from. Matthew McConaughey just kind of seems like an actor that you probably shouldn't give a script to. Just let him go be Matthew McConaughey. Like, every movie, just let him be him, and it'll be great. Um, because he's just, he seems like such an amazing guy um, down the earth and just hilarious. Um, so that I, I didn't know that. That's actually great. Like, I have to rewatch it now knowing that that, uh, that, that was something that he usually always did. Yeah, that's his, like, little thing, and they decided to – incorporated so I thought it was freaking perfect that it you never think that that movie is going to be a Martin Scorsese movie but it's just absolutely brilliant and I think that was Leo actually nominated that year because I know that people are saying that he should have won for that movie um I think I, I think Leo's been nominated like for almost every big picture <laughs> it's just always been the issue of he just never won. Um, and I can't remember if the year Wolf of Wall Street came out. I think Ryan Gosling won that year. I can't remember what it was for, but I think Ryan won that year. Um, both great actors, but it's like, come on, come on. Like, I still to this day to you, I'm very upset that the one time Leo got his Oscar, I didn't think he deserved it. <laughs> Tom Hardy was the best thing from the rest of the rest. Like, how – how Tom Hardy didn't get an Oscar for that, but Leo did, will always be beyond me. But it's one of those things where it's like, you got to take the good with the bad. The good is Leo can now say he's an Oscar winner. The bad is Tom Hardy still can't. Um, so that, that's the good and the bad of it, I guess. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. The memes that year, by the way, for The Revenant were hilarious because like, all the memes were like, Leo crawling towards his Oscar, <laughs> like just he's trying. <laughs> maybe um maybe Tom Hardy will win for Venom too, as we'll talk about later for uh, Geek Five Live. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm so happy that you put uh, The Wolf of Wall Street on your list because I wouldn't have even thought about it because it's one of those movies that you forget is like based on a true story, and the yeah. fact that Again, people even live like this. I'm surprised most of them are still alive because that was insane. <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
And, and by the way, just to let you know, yes, even though we do the top ten, they're never going to be in order. So just take it as it is. Um, obviously, this is a fantastic film. It being in the number eight slot doesn't mean anything sort of that uh, others are going to top it or anything. It's just uh, the way the way it works. But um, I guess I'll do the where was I going with this? Okay, so yes, I am going to do the number seven slot, um, and I'm actually going to do uh, Legend. I don't know if you've uh, seen that movie. It's with Tom Hardy in it. Speaking of Tom Hardy. Yeah, I, I think I did. It, is that the one where he's his twin? Yes. So yeah. Legend. So Legend, um, Tom Hardy portrays both of the Cray twins who were some really bad mother effers uh, back in like the 60s and shit like that. Um, and he plays both of them. Now, fun fact for you there is that Tom Hardy really wants to, uh, really wants to play um, uh, Reggie Cray, who is like the, like, uh, I can't talk right now. He's like the, the more sporadic of the twins, and he's the one with the glasses on. He really wants to portray that twin, but the people behind Legend really want him to play um, Reggie Cray. Sorry. So the one he really wanted to play was Ronnie Cray, He really, uh, but they want him to play Reggie Cray. And he said, I'll only play Reggie Cray if you also let me play Ronnie Cray. So they said, all right you know, you're Tom Hardy and we'll obviously give you what you want. So he ended up playing both of the twins and they somehow were able to manipulate it on screen that it, these two were existing within the same frame shot, even though it was the exact same person. And I just love, first of all, I don't know why I really like gangster films. So to me, and I love Tom Hardy, I thought he was absolutely magnificent in this movie, especially as the twin Ronnie Craig, just because when you give uh, Tom Hardy the ability to kind of be unhinged and just wild, he runs with it. He was good also as Reggie Craig um, because you didn't necessarily expect him to turn out as bad as he actually did. And Emily Browning is in this movie who plays Laura Moon on American Gods and she her performance I thought was really good as well because it ends up being kind of like a tragic love story in some cases. So yeah, um, these twins actually did exist. They were, I guess, essentially you can compare them to like the Al Capone of uh, Europe because I believe they were in, yeah, they were in England. So I think that the way that they portrayed these twins and kind of like went with the story of telling how the two of them were, and the fact that Tom Hardy was able to play two different characters in the same movie was just absolutely phenomenal. So I'm going to put number seven as Legend, uh, and Joanna, I'd like to get your feedback because you said that you believe you've seen this film before. Joanne? Have we lost? Sorry, I was talking, so I, I had myself muted while you were talking, and then I forgot that I muted myself. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yes, okay. I did see this movie two or three times, um, and I thoroughly enjoyed them both times. 
Uh, I thought it was really good. Forgot um, Taron Taron Egerton uh, or Edgerton was in this movie. Completely forgot that. Um, I'm up for anything he's ever in or Tom Hardy. Um, but the steal for me coming out of this movie uh, was Emily Browning, um, who I don't think gets enough credit as an actress. Um, she's really, really, really good uh, of an actress. If you watch American Gods, as, as Tia will tell you, uh, she does a really good job on that. Um, but, yeah, this movie was really, really, really good. Uh, I had maybe a few issues with a little bit of the acting at times. Um, but all in all, it was a really, really, really good movie. Um, Paul Bettany also was in this movie. Um, oh, yeah. Like I said, it was a – go ahead. No, no, I said, yeah, I just saw that right now. I forgot he was in it. Yeah, there's a lot of people, like, when, when you think back, you're kind of like, oh, man, like <laughs> – this one or that one was in it. Like, I completely forgot. Uh, because Tom Hardy just steals the, the show every time he's in a movie. You kind of forget, like, oh, yeah, other people were in this, too. Like, <laughs> like I, I forgot. Um, but, yeah, like I said, it was really good. Um, but my steal from this movie definitely was Emily, um, who, by the way, Tia, I just want to point out, Sucker Punch is a really good movie. Um, I will fight for that movie any day, every day of the week. Um, loved her in it, but uh, this movie again, really good, and I'm glad you put it on here because it definitely deserves a spot on. Yeah, and if I have to say, like maybe like one of my only gripes with the film is obviously it's Tom Hardy playing the two characters, right? But in some mm-hmm. instances, they obviously had to have um, a body double. So that one scene where the two of them fight in, I guess, their club or something like that, you see uh, Tom Hardy and then you obviously, like, see the stunt double and you see his hands. I don't know why it bothered me so much, but Tom Hardy's hands are a certain sort of hand. And then they got this other guy who had these, like, really small, like, soft-looking hands. And it clearly just didn't seem like it was Tom Hardy. And I know that's a weird thing to fix on but it made it, like, really apparent that it wasn't Tom Hardy playing these two guys, that it was, like, a body double fighting Tom Hardy. I don't know why that always sticks out every time I watch the movie, but it's one of those things that, like, I can't get over when I'm watching it. It's like, couldn't they have gotten someone with just similar-looking hands to Tom Hardy? I don't know why. That's, like, one of those things I just, like, look at, and it bothers me so much. Um, Also... Chaz Palminteri was in this film as well. So you had some big names in Legend, and I don't hardly hear anyone really talking about this. And just as a side note, I don't know why, but I looked into it that, you know that song where it's like, that shit Cray, and they're talking about the Cray twins? I didn't know that. I thought he just meant that he's saying crazy, but saying Cray, like Cray Cray. It's like, no, he's talking about the Cray twins. And it's like, oh, okay, that, that makes sense. <laughs> Just putting that I out didn't there. That either. Yeah, if you look at the lyric, it's Cray with a K, and it's because he was intending to talk about the Cray twins. And I'm like, well, there you go. But that's my little piece of information when it comes to that. And, uh, Juwan, you're going to get the number six slot. Alright, you said number six? Okay, so for number six, I'm going with a movie that, again, I did not know was based off of a true story, 
it was very pleasantly surprised to find out that it was. So for number six, I'm going one of the greatest gangster movies of all time, and I'm going with Goodfellas. That movie. <clears throat> wait, wait, wait. I have to stop you. You didn't know that that was based off a true story? I had no idea that Goodfellas was based <laughs> off a true story. None. None whatsoever. Um, and I actually just watched this movie maybe about a few weeks ago because um, AMC always either is doing uh, Godfather, Casino, uh, Goodfellas. It is usually always some gangster movie AMC is always playing. But uh, But anyway... This movie, come on. I don't I shouldn't even have to go any further than just telling you this Ray Liotta and Robert De Niro in their prime. Um that, that, I, that should be all I need to tell you. Joe Pesci, um, and then that's that's it. Like <laughs> I don't need <laughs> to say anything you know. else. Um it was a Martin Scorsese directed film. Like I'm just giving you facts here. because uh, I feel like if I go into the movie, everyone will be like, Oh no, no, you already had me sold on Robert De Niro. Um and it being a Martin Scorsese film. But, no, seriously, this movie is such a good movie. It also had one of the best dialogue scenes ever with the, you know, <laughs> do I amuse you? Like, what What about me is funny? Like, Joe Pesci was hilarious in that in, in Goodfellas. Um, I, I definitely butchered that line, but you, you guys get the point. This is a great movie. This definitely, as soon as I saw it was based off a true story, I was like, oh, this is on my list. Like, this is high on my list. Um, so I'm going number six. I'm going Goodfellas. Yeah. Um, this is a great movie, obviously. And I really, this is kind of sad, but I feel like there's probably, like, kids out there today who have, like, no idea who, like, Joe Pesci or any of those people are. You're going to say that, uh, and they're going to be like, who, they're going to be like, who's that? <laughs> which is, like, Joe Pesci, go, like, sit and watch this movie, yeah. Joe Pesci on, on every level was just, like, a national treasure, uh, especially back then. Like, he was one of the hottest things out. He, he did Home Alone, for God's sake. Uh, <laughs> uh, Joe Pesci was in demand. Um, he was freaking great. He was great. I, I, I will say I think he did way better in um, – he had a better role or a better performance, rather, in um, – Casino than he did in Goodfellas. Like, I don't even think it's remotely comparable. He was way better in Casino. Um, but he still did an amazing job. Robert De Niro, top of his game. Um, this movie was so great. Like, when I think of this movie, the, the one scene that just pops up in my head besides them at, the, uh, at that restaurant with Joe Pesci is like, I'm funny how. Besides that was when the cops came. And Karen just flushed all the drugs down the toilet. <laughs> lost his damn mind when the cops left. It was like, where are the drugs? She's like, I flushed them. You did what? Like, that, that scene was classic to me. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, this movie definitely is, is high on my list. I don't know if I should be telling this type of story on air, but I'm pretty sure that once I got out of, like, a speeding ticket, because I had a copy of a of Goodfellas on DVD in the back seat, because the, the cop was like, "Oh, Goodfellas," and I was like, "Yeah, great movie, right?" And he was like, "Oh, the best. All right, well, just don't don't speed." And then I just kept driving off, and I'm like, "There you go, Goodfellas is a protection line." <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty I'm, sure. <laughs> I'm gonna have to use that one day. I've, I've 
I've never known that Goodfellas could uh could get you out of a ticket, but I watch that movie again and, and quote it word for word if it can get me out of a <laughs> ticket or something. Just put a copy of Goodfellas in the back seat of your car, and the cop will get distracted with how amazing that film is, and then you're good to go. You know, it's like I'm just fine. <laughs> I don't think it'll that, work that well for me, but I'll try. And that's no shade. Like I, I've, I had a job for about three years where I worked with a lot of like police and a lot of like retired cops. So you know, I can say this: they love gangster movies. So you know. There you go. There's your little tip there. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Goodfellas, I mean, it's just one of those classics. And you think you think The Godfather, you think Goodfellas, and you think Casino. Those, and, and Scarface. Those are like the, tri- not the trifecta, the, uh, whatever, the core, like, gangster movies that if you even want to call yourself a fan of gangster film and you haven't seen any of those movies, then you have to take your uh, card back because, then you're just fake about that. But yeah, I will say this to you: small mm-hmm. little, small little nugget about me. Like everyone tells me, I'm freaking insane. I think I told you this before, and I think you were the one that told me I was I was crazy for saying it. I um, I'm uh-huh. one of those very few people that think uh, Starface was overrated. I, I, I uh-huh. I'll say that to the day I die. It was three hours of just an overrated movie. Like think about it: when you talk to someone who's a fan of Starface, what's the one scene? everyone remembers no matter what the end the end of that movie say hello to my that's everyone can quote that last scene but really nothing else why because mm-hmm. it was three hours of just visualness uh, not even visualness of just story and the best part is literally towards that end i'd say maybe around when first met michelle pfeiffer and they were dancing in the club from that moment on um i'd say i think are the more, more memorable parts of that movie. But everyone that says they're a fan of that movie, I can guarantee you the only thing they can quote you is that end scene um, of him with the grenade launcher and everything. Um, but, yeah, I, I always thought that movie was grossly overrated. Like, it, it, it should be nowhere near Godfather <laughs> or Godfather 2. I will definitely disagree with you there because the scene where he is, he finds his sister in the bathroom with a guy and he freaks out or the dude getting hacked up by a chainsaw in the bathroom or freaking um, the scene where he kills his best friend because he thinks that him and his sister are just having sex and then she reveals that they got married and all that shit. Oh, no, 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 no. Scarface is a great movie, my friend, and I will have to disagree with you on that one. No, listen, listen. I'm glad you do, and I'm glad that more of that movie stuck out to you because I can almost guarantee you, Tia, if we took a poll, a lot of quote-unquote Scarface fans could only quote to you or remember that one scene, that one scene. Maybe even Michelle Pfeiffer dancing because that's been like a meme for years. Um but, yeah, most memorable thing, I would say, for casual, um, <clears throat> excuse me, casual Scarface fans is him um, with the say hello to my little friend. I mean, I also like the, the mountain of cocaine. I thought that was hilarious. It's just like, so that's like a mountain of cocaine in their office. Scarface, <laughs> like, that, that's it. Um, I enjoyed the video game that came out for that movie more so than I think I enjoyed the movie. I didn't even know there was a video game, so you got one on me for that. But 
I think it would be super interesting if one day we put a poll to our Facebook group or even on Twitter to see what everyone can remember from that movie. To kind of do like an experiment to see if it proves your point there. Yeah, we would have to we would have to definitely take me and you would have to rewatch it and then find memorable moments of that movie and then put it in a poll and see what everyone picks. I think that that's fair. I think that that's totally fair. Uh, <laughs> but uh, your number six was Goodfellas, and we could probably talk about uh, gangster movies all show long, but this is the top ten movies based on real-life events, so I'm going to scoot over to the number five, um, and I am going to put uh, 13 Hours as my uh, choice for number five just because I really like this movie. Um I really liked the portrayal by John Krasinski, and obviously my man Pablo Schreiber was in it, so I gotta throw that out too. <laughs> I'm just a very predictable person. I'm completely fine with all of that. <laughs> but what I liked about it was, um, you know, obviously right now in the past few years we've lived in a very um, politically charged world. Um, and obviously, probably everyone has heard about the Benghazi uh, events in some fashion, right? You know, obviously that took up most of the last, uh, last presidential election. Not going to get into that. But what I liked about the movie is that it just focused on the events and over there. And the fact that you had, first of all, you had the real-life survivors of that event who I think we're like pretty much on set or at least uh, consulting with the people who are behind making this movie, which I think he said is Michael Bay, which really surprises me that that was even a Michael Bay film. I guess I could kind of see it, that there was a lot of shit going on, but um, for the fact that he ruined the Transformers franchise and, but then came out with 13 hours is just amazing. But it's not about that. It's about the fact that you have this movie that clearly is showing you what went wrong and how, like, grossly, um, like, unprepared that they were for this event to happen. And just the fact that pretty much the whole movie is, like, the attack and the fighting. And to me, I just was holding my breath during the whole entire film because I was like, how much more can these guys take right now? And when the whole movie then ended and it ends with, um, with freaking Pablo Schreiber's character, essentially just, uh, proclaiming that the guys that were coming towards them were on their side was like such a huge relief because again, I thought that they were coming to attack the soldiers and I thought to myself, this is it. They can't, like take anymore they've been fighting for freaking like 13 hours they're not getting any support um the government's like refusing to send help to them and they are just trying to battle off against the enemy and it just didn't look at that point like it was even possible for them to keep going so i just like was holding my breath during the whole entire movie it definitely gave me some insight as to what the real life soldiers went through um, and I know, of course, anything with Hollywood is going to be a dramatization, but we obviously know that from the soldiers and from, you know, the casualties that happened, that obviously some crazy shit went down. So 
But as far as, like, the movie goes, I thought John Krasinski did a fantastic job. It was probably one of the first performances that I've seen of him after playing Jim from The Office. And what really shows me that, like, this guy definitely needs to be in more movies, needs to be taken more seriously. He's not just that one character from that popular uh, comedy show. He can be a serious actor, which we've now seen through his portrayals of Jack Ryan and in Quiet Place. But I thought he was fantastic in 13 Hours. I thought the whole cast did a fantastic job with it. And I'm going to put this movie as my number five. And have you seen it, Juwan? Have you seen 13 Hours? Uh, I was hesitant because you know how much I despise Michael Bay. But, yes, I Which have I didn't seen that know. movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I strongly despise Michael Bay. Um, <clears throat> and and I, I had this conversation with Nick. He um, He's great at original content, which, you know, stuff like this. Um, but when he has source material, he's just – he's horrible, a la Ninja Turtles, Transformers. Um, and those franchises are so beloved. I despise them for ruining both of them for me. Um, I, I can't look at Ninja Turtles the same uh, until we get a new movie of it that I can go off of. But for now, like, I don't want to get into Michael Bay. But anyway, he did direct this movie, um, and the movie was really good. It, it was truly really good. I did feel like, um, you know, they were trying to hit on the accuracy of it, but I thought if you were trying to make it more Hollywood, it should have had more action, um, less dialogue. Um, like, it was very talky, very, very, very talky. Um, but I get it. I completely get why it was. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. John Krasinski did an amazing job. Um, I think after this, I think the next thing he did of big significance was A Quiet Place. Then I think he did Jack Ryan. Um, so like you said, it was just great. Because I remember when I saw him, I was like full beard. I was like, oh, what has Jim done? Like it was, it it reminded me of when you see Chris Evans go from Captain America First Avenger to Infinity War. And you're like, oh, God, like, him in a full beard. Like what is this? Um, but I told you after I saw him with a full beard that I want him in a full beard everywhere. Anything he's in, just be in a full beard. Um, he just looks great <laughs> in, that, in that I didn't really groom type of beard that he had in that and in A, a Quiet Place. Um, but, yeah, it, it was a really good movie. Uh, I had no issues with it. Like I said, it, it just seemed a bit too talky and not enough action. Um, but it was really good, and I put it up there with Kingdom, um, with Jamie Foxx, Jennifer Garner. That was a, uh all-star cast. And I also put it up there with that uh, Mark Wahlberg Ronda Rousey, Ronda Rousey movie. Um, it's that level of action with story. Um, and I think it was really well done. Yeah, and I think that they were definitely trying to shed light on the events that happened in Benghazi, which is maybe why it was so talky. They wanted to kind of show you, like, what went wrong. And I think that if there was anyone who was watching everything that was happening with, like, Hillary Clinton and the former election and seeing what really everyone was talking about, because I'll be honest with you, I didn't know. Like, I, you know, maybe that's just me being very ignorant, but and I'm not trying to get, like, you know, too, like, politically geared here, but I had no idea really what they were talking about when you talked about Benghazi. So when I watched the movie, I was like, oh, this is what they're talking about. This is the event. This is the person 
who died, and this is why it just seems to be something that people are still very much focused on, because when you watch the movie, it did look like there was just a, like, lack of resources. That is really kind of the reason why this popped off the way it did, but to me, the visuals were really good. I love the acting. Um, I did like the action. It got really gruesome at one point. I think you saw, like, one dude's, like, bone pop out of his skin, which, of course, always makes me, like, turn away because I can't watch shit like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm really bad at that. I thought it was a really good movie and had no idea Michael Bay directed until we did one other um, show, like, a few weeks ago, and you were the one who said it, and I was like, no way. Because, as we've seen, he's done some horrible shit with other franchises. Yeah, yeah. I I, I will say this. He's not a bad director. Um, I just, my issues with Michael Bay purely um, are because of what I felt as though he ruined with Transformers and Ninja Turtles. He didn't even direct Ninja Turtles. He produced it. Um, and speaking of producing, you know what I just found out there that I had no idea? I had no idea that he produced A Quiet Place. Really? (laughs) Yeah, he's one of the producers for A Quiet Place. Yeah. So weird. So weird. I think him and, I think Michael Bay and John from 13 Hours um, built a friendship, and maybe that was why Michael Bay was willing to put his, you know, put his name and his money out there to help help John get this movie made. He's one of the producers, but I, I didn't know that. Like, I was looking at A Quiet Place credits, and I was like, wait. Why is Michael Bay's name anywhere near this, this this good movie? And then I looked on IMDb and I was like, ah, oh, he's the producer. Figures, that's so, figures. I have that's to give him so credit. That's so strange. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. weird. I saw it and was just like, that's unusual. But okay. <laughs> do you think this is like a little off topic? But do you think then, if we ever did get a Fantastic Four movie that John Krasinski was involved in, he'd be like, come, Michael Bay let me bring you over to this, and then, like, it would just be horrible. <laughs> yeah, I- I'll say this. Um, if they do a Fantastic Four movie and allow um, Michael Bay anywhere near it, just know that when we do the review show, I will be nowhere near that uh, because there's no way I'm going to watch that movie, ever, ever. I feel, I feel like – attached to it. I feel like Kevin Feige is a little smarter than that, and he realizes that he doesn't want that anywhere near his MCU, considering what he's done to the Transformers and Ninja Ninja Turtles franchise. Because when you bring the Fantastic Four into the MCU, you want it to be good, and you want it to be established for a long time to come. Yeah, no, I'm 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 with you. I just hope hope he knows that <laughs> because. Um, that is yikes. <laughs> Don't let <laughs> well, him certainly, get anywhere near it. <laughs> we'll see certainly where that goes. But um all right, so moving right along, we're trucking through it this morning. Um, but you are gonna have the number four spot for our list today. All right, so for number four, let me see. Let me see what I wanna go with. I wanna go with a really, really, really good one. I have a few here. No, I don't want to go that one. I didn't think that one was that good. All right. I think I found mine. And this one is very, very, very sad. But I'm going to go with Ray, Jamie Foxx's Oscar-winning role. Um, Excuse me. 
what a job he did. Even though I did leave that movie loving Carrie Washington um, and then loving her more when I saw Scandal, but um, what a job Jamie did. Um, I don't remember Ray Charles at all, um, so I can't say how great of a job he did portraying someone I've never seen. Um, I've heard his music. He sounds like he sounded like him. Um, but Jamie Foxx is one of those. Jamie Foxx I put in a bubble with Donald Glover, just two guys who could literally do everything. Donald Glover does more, but both those guys are very rare in the idea of Hollywood to where it's like, wait, wait, Jamie can sing? Okay, that's great. Whoa, whoa, whoa. he does comedy? Hold on. He acts great too? So it's just like it's a large list of great things Jamie Foxx can do, and he was able to show a few of them in doing Ray. Um, very sad movie. Very, very, very sad. I still can't re- – like, the one scene that sticks out in my head is when his brother drowned. Like, it just didn't seem like what he drowned in was deep enough for him to drown in it. It was just really weird. Um, I, I, can't, I can never get that out of my head because I'm like, how do you drown in that? I think it was like a huge – uh, like bucket or something like that. It was just, it was really weird. Um, but that movie was great, top to bottom. Uh, it gave you a glimpse of Ray Charles' life. If you, if you had seen him before and wanted to know what happened, that movie uh, did it for you. If you didn't know him, um, it was a look inside of someone's life that was just great. Um, and Ray Charles was great. Um, and Jamie Foxx nailed it. Definitely deserved an Oscar for that. I was really disappointed that Jamie, uh, maybe the violinist, I think, was, was the other one I, I saw Jamie do. But I'm really disappointed Jamie hasn't done acting to that level since. Like, maybe Django. I'd put maybe up there. Um, but this was definitely, hands down, his best acting performance. Um, and, you know, like I said, he got an Oscar, and it was well-deserved. So for number four, Five, I believe you said I was doing. Um, I'm going to put Ray up there. Um, so Jamie Foxx is one of those actors that if you utilize him properly enough, he's going to do an amazing job because he's a good actor. And you give him something like Ray, and he's going to completely knock it out of the park. And he did. I mean, he looked like him. He sounded similar to him. He got the mannerisms down. And, like, be able to do that to such a well-known uh, person in music and in, you know, pop culture altogether was just absolutely amazing. And it was a really sad story that uh, Jamie Foxx had a part in telling. And as you said, yes, Terry Washington was absolutely amazing in that as well. Um, I'm going to say that, though, for Jamie Foxx's, like, best performance, I really did love The Violinist with Robert Downey Jr. I thought that was, like, absolutely amazing but Jamie Foxx is really like multi-talented as far as like what he can do with music and acting and I don't think that like when we talk about really good actors that people tend to like kind of exclude him on the list and they really shouldn't because I think still to this day people remember the fact that he did such a fantastic job performing uh for the movie Ray so I think that that's was like a really good choice on your part to even do um, Jamie Foxx for because I like what has he been in recently? I don't think uh, well he's he was in, in Baby Driver. Sleep, he was in Baby Driver. He had his own movie Sleepless, which wasn't as horrible as people make it sound. 
Um, it was it was watchable. Like I could watch it again. I wouldn't want to, but I could. Um, <laughs> I know that's not really a compliment, but it wasn't that bad. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd say if you if you ask me what his three best movies were, Violinist, I'd maybe push back on a little bit, but you're right, it was a really good movie. Um, but I definitely say Ray. Django, and then that third movie could be interchangeable. So if you say The Violinist, sure. I don't really have a huge argument against it. Um, but it's three best movie acting performances. Yeah, I'd say top two would be Ray and, and Django. I can't really think well, of anything else. Well, he was fantastic in Django Un- Unchained. Uh, that has to be one of my favorite Quentin Tarantino movies of all time. That's one of my favorite Leo performances, too. (laughs) Another Leo, another Leo movie that just, he did not get the recognition that he deserved, I feel like, in that uh, movie. No, he did not. I also thought that Jamie Foxx was really good in Baby Driver because I had never seen him play, like, a bad guy before. But I yeah, thought that he that was a really good bad guy. Driver. Yeah, I agree with you. That was a lot of fun to see him in Baby Driver. I mean, but you also had, like, John Hamm and uh, John Bernthal in it for all of two seconds. So I'm a little biased when it comes to that movie. <laughs> extremely. <laughs> I say extremely. Not a little. Just extremely. <laughs> oh, wait. I he was also He was also in – okay. All right. So here. Here's a full list of his movies, because I was completely wrong. He has way better movies than I just gave him credit for. Um, sure. So I'm going to just name Jamie Foxx's movies. So we got Django, Robin Hood, he just did. That was god-awful, but I don't put that on mm-hmm. him. That's, that's just, I, I don't get how he had that great of a cast, and that movie was horrible. Um, Ray, Baby Driver, Annie, which I watched again maybe a week ago. Really good movie. Really, really, really good movie. Collateral. I completely forgot about Collateral. One of Cruz's best performances and James. Um, Amazing Spider-Man 2, but we won't put that on him. Um, Law-abiding, Law-abiding Citizen. Great movie. Great movie. Got to give Jamie credit for that. White House Down. Never had any interest in seeing that. That was as Channing Tatum was rising and everyone loved him and I was like, I'm going to be that different guy that just refuses to watch anything Channing Tatum. Um, oh, no. I regret that because I think he's a great actor. Uh, I thought we were going to be on the same page because I can't stand Channing Tatum as an actor. But, uh, you know, that's just me. I always will say <laughs> that – I will always say that uh, my favorite role of his was in Hateful Eight because he was in it for two seconds and was killed in it. So I was like, oh, that's great. This is a great performance of Channing Tatum. I will say Jamie is great doing cameos. Um, by the way, yeah, we completely had it messed up. Um, the movie uh, you were talking about uh, with Robert uh, Downey Jr., even though maybe you did say the name, maybe I just said it wrong, but we said The Violinist, I think we said, but it's called The Soloist. Wait, really? I always thought it was The Violinist. <laughs> yeah, because he plays the violin, but it's called The Soloist. Oh shit! I always get it like confused <laughs> also with like Adrian Brody's um the pianist, which is also yeah. by the way a fantastic freaking movie. If you've never seen that, like be prepared to just like cry and be shocked and just sit there and just 
wonder about life for a second. But I always, like, for some reason, like, confuse the names of those two, even though they're, like, two completely different freaking movies. Yeah, it, it's funny because when you brought when you brought up the movie, I'm sitting there and I'm like, yeah, he played a violin in it. So I'm like, yeah, it makes sense that it was called The Violinist. And then I'm looking at it, and I'm like, oh, the soloist. I'm like, I don't like the name of that. Like, I'd rather it be the violinist. Like, that makes more sense. Um, We'll just call it the violinist. Yeah, we'll just call it the violinist. So just to to wrap this up, I would say if I had to pick Jamie Foxx's top five, The Kingdom, Law-Abiding Citizen, um, Collateral, Django, Ray. So Django, Ray, Collateral, Law-Abiding Citizen, the Kingdom. That'd be my top five with the soloist on the outside, Miami Vice on the outside, Self, Dream Girls, and Breaking All the Rules. Love that movie. Loved, loved, loved that movie. But um but yeah, so th- those would be my, my top five with the two on the outside. Um I completely forgot Jacob Fox had more movies <laughs> than the ones we brought up, but uh he definitely has a catalog. He has a catalog, and isn't he, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't he doing um, Spawn or something like that coming up? Yeah, yeah, he's currently attached to being uh, Spawn. He was also attached to doing a video game movie, but that looks like that's probably never going to happen. But, um, but yeah, he is attached to Spawn, so that could be what creeps up into my top, uh, my top five. Absolutely. We'll have to see what happens uh, when that movie actually does finally happen. But, um, so you actually have had the number four slot, and I'm going to go to uh, the number three slot. I'm going to do a Chris Evans movie, and I'm going to pick Puncture. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen Puncture, Juwan, but it has to be by far, like, if I have to pick my, like, top five Chris Evans movies, it's going to be Puncture. Because I feel like people forget that Chris Evans actually has an acting career outside of playing Steve Rogers. And it's actually a really good one. There's a quote by Chris Evans where I think he says, like, he goes, my best movies no one's ever seen. And it's true because everyone just, like, thinks of him as Captain America. But he's been in, like, a lot of really good shit. Now, Puncture is uh, based on uh, this real-life lawyer called Mike Weiss. And they take on this uh, case that this woman, uh, she was a nurse, and she accidentally gets stuck while trying to administer uh, something to, like, uh, pretty much like a drug addict, a uh, homeless person. And because he's, like, flailing around, she gets stuck with the needle after she had given it to him, finds out that uh, he has HIV, and now she has HIV. And this is obviously during the time where that was kind of like a death sentence, really. And the him and his partner take on this case because there's supposed to be this retractable needle that is out for patent, but hospitals aren't using it because they say that it costs like 30 cents more than like other syringes or something like that. So they take on this case, and but the whole time Chris Evans is playing this lawyer who is just like an absolute effing drug addict. Like he's doing everything. Like I would say that Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, character and Wolf on Wall Street would be, like, jealous of how much uh, Chris Evans' character can actually take in this freaking movie. But his performance is just so good, and it's so raw, and just him kind of...
kind of like really determined to go through with this case and keep fighting for it while also combating his like really bad drug addiction was just really good in it. And I can't like every time I watch the movie, I'm just blown away with how good of an actor Chris Evans is and that I don't think that people realize just like how good of an actor he is. And Puncture is one of those movies that, you know, it obviously doesn't really have a happy ending. And if you, like, look it up, the case of what they were trying to do with trying to get hospitals to use this retractable needle still isn't, like, through to this day. So it's just, like, has, like, real-life themes in it while just, I don't know, I, I can't say enough about, like, Chris Evans just being, like, an absolute amazing gem in puncture and just the story in general being really, like, gripping pretty much. But, um, Juwan, have you ever seen Chris Evans in puncture? I have not, but I'm looking here um, at the cast as two of my favorite actors, Jesse L. Martin, who played Daryl King, and Brett Cullen, who played Nathaniel Price. Um, both to uh, Jesse from The Flash, um, and then I think he was on Law and Order. He was in Rent. Um, say it again. He was in Rent, the movie adaptation of Rent. He did a really good oh, job yeah. in it. You've never seen Rent. He could, yeah, he could sing really well, which, you know, I think The Flash only casted people that could sing really well. <laughs> um, but... Uh, but, yeah, I'm a huge fan of him. So this is a movie I did not know about, but I definitely will check out. But I do want to say this movie, again, with me, without me even knowing it, this movie is one of four movies out of Chris Evans' catalog that just is never talked about. I'd say that movie. I'd say um, uh, Push. I'd also mm-hmm. say Cellular. Um, are movies that I thought he was good in that just people just never talk about. The Losers also. Um, the Losers is what, like, because, again, The Losers came out, I think, after or before. It came out before Captain America. So I was like, wow, I really like this guy, but, like, I don't see how he's going to play Captain America. Like, you know, him playing Johnny Storm was perfect. He seems like that, you know, that comedic kind of actor. Um, and then I saw the first Captain America and was like, this is, I don't like this movie. And then it took for Avengers and then Winter Soldier that I was like, yeah, this is my Captain America. Um, but yeah, people sleep on Chris Evans all the time. I completely agree with you. Um, Push deserves a sequel. The Losers deserves a sequel. Cellular deserves a sequel. So many of his movies that get slept on, um, that were really freaking good deserve sequels. So... With you telling me about this movie and me just loving Chris Evans' work is definitely one I'm going to make sure I check out. Yeah, just because, like, he's definitely, like, if you're only, and I'm not saying, like, you in general, I'm saying to the average viewer, if their only perception of Chris Evans is playing Steve Rogers, playing someone in Push where he is, you know, he's so not Captain America at all because he is just, like, decadent he's living very dangerously um and as i said he's a huge drug addict in this movie and you wouldn't if your only like examples of chris evans acting is what you see him do as steve rogers you'd be very shocked by puncture but i think that he does it really well and 
if he wasn't in, say, the Marvel Universe, maybe his acting on a more serious level would be recognized by viewers. It's just a really good movie. Um, and I'm going to add for movies that people sleep on with Chris Evans, Snowpiercer. It is the strangest freaking movie ever, but his acting in it is really good. I really enjoyed it as something more of like a post-Captain America Chris Evans. And I just watched Push recently, and I thought yeah, to myself, he, he has been in quite a few superhero movies that – you know, people just don't really know about with that and The Losers is a comic book movie. Um, I forgot what else he was in. But yeah, no, he's a great actor. I think you should definitely check out Puncture and you would really enjoy it just for all the acting and all like the seriousness with it. I don't know if you look at the Wikipedia to see how it ends, um, but it doesn't end well. But yeah, so this lawyer was a real-life lawyer. This is a real-life case that they uh, adapted into a film, and I think it's certainly, to me, one of the best uh, adaptations of a real-life event. Yeah, I will definitely make sure I go up. <clears throat> Excuse me. Make sure I definitely go check that out. Like I said, huge fan of uh, Chris Evans' work, so I'll have no issues uh, giving that a watch. Awesome, awesome. Um, Juwan, you are going to take the number two spot, and it's going to be your last choice for this list, so make sure you choose wisely. <laughs> All right, listen, I, I, I went on IMDb because um, I wasn't liking my list, and I was just looking at movies, you know, that are based off, off true stories, and we got to do a part two of this, Tia. so many freaking movies here that I'm like, holy crap. I didn't know this one was that. I forgot about this one. Um, so we definitely should talk honorable mentions because a thousand oh, of these could, could be added on there. Um, but my number two spot, I'm going with the movie that I think should have not only won Best Picture, should have won Best Leading Actor, should have won Best Supporting Actor. Um, this movie was is in my top ten movies. I could watch it every day. It motivates me more than um, Wolf on Wall Street, and that movie is. Whew. All right, I'm getting chills thinking about it because I was. Oh thinking. shit! My number two is going American Gangster. Rest in peace to Frank Lucas, the actual Frank Lucas who passed not too long ago. Denzel was remarkable, um, and this movie had so many names, top to bottom. Um, but this movie was. <laughs> I'm losing. I'm losing words for it because it was so good. Um, it, it teaches you about business. Teaches you about life. Um, again, you know us. <laughs> uh, propping up these these gangster movies, um, but no, I mean a- everything he said about business could be implemented in anyone who's starting a business. Um, you know, Frank Lucas was a very smart man, and if it wasn't for love, Frank Lucas very likely would have never been uh, caught uh, wearing that fur coat to that boxing match. Just was not a smart idea. Um, but you know, to anyone who hasn't seen it. Watch it, so you'll get that. Um, but this movie, Russell Crowe did an amazing job. Denzel, even Idris Elba, for the five seconds he was in this movie, was <laughs> so compelling. Um, and then that's, I'll never forget that scene. That that scene stood out to me the most, where you see Denzel, um, you know, in the in the diner with Common and, and the rest of his cousins, and he was talking about something. And then, like, he sees Idris Elba's character, like, walking on the street. So he pours out the sugar, grabs the sugar cup, 
Uh, he goes, shoots him in the head, puts the tip money that uh, his character had been asking for in the jar. Then that's not what, what, what blew me away about that scene. What blew me away was when he goes back into the diner, sits down and goes, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just keeps talking. It's just like he didn't just go murder someone in broad daylight. Like, Denzel was just so freaking perfect in that movie. And um, it's hard for me because Denzel also has a few more movies that's on this um, based on the true story uh, list that, that I have. But this one was the most compelling um, because I thought his acting, where it's usually at a 10, was at an 100 that day. Um, this movie was just, like I said, top to bottom, beautiful. And I do want to give a lot of uh, credit to Russell Crowe also, who I thought did a great job. It just got outshined by how much better Denzel is. Um, and, and the fact that the movie was about Denzel, so you're going to get a lot of his scenes in it. Um, but, yeah, great movie. Like I said, phenomenal cast. Um, if you have not seen American Gangster, please do. Please do. Great movie. But, yeah, Tia, my number two. And this is a tough one because, like I said, when we talk um, honorable mentions, I had another Denzel movie that I wanted to put at number two, but I just couldn't, like, in my mind, find it to be better than American Gangster. But my number two is American Gangster. So here's going to be the point where you're going to yell at me, but I have actually never seen American Gangster. You've never seen American Gangster? I've never seen – I've seen that clip that you're talking about. I've seen that clip. One of my friends like sent it to me because she was like, "Oh, you gotta watch this clip." So I know the the diner with the with the sugar and eat yourself with character. I know that scene, but as far as American Gangster, it's just one of those movies I just haven't ever seen. I, I will tell you this, Tia, that if you're a fan of gangster movies, which I know you are, um, this is a gangster feel. Um, it, it's more grounded, like it's not as in your face as most gangster films are, but it gives you everything that a gangster movie does. Um, it, it's just, it's, I can't, I can't stress. Josh Brolin is in this. Um, Common, Chitelli Ekafor, um, Chitelli. I, I, his name is so freaking confusing to pronounce. Um, but Russell Crowe, Denzel, uh, Cicely Tyson, I believe, is in this movie also. Uh, there's just so many great actors and actresses. Please, please, Tia, watch this movie uh, and then come back to me. Not only will um, the business aspect of it stand out to you, um, just a great acting, top to bottom, top to bottom, that this movie has um, is just really, really good movie. I also learned um, <laughs> you won't get it, so you won't find it as funny as I do, but um, it's a scene where someone uh, spilled wine on his alpaca carpet. Um, <laughs> I learned then the best way to clean something uh, out of something expensive like that is to, um, what do you say, blot it? Like, <laughs> blot it, don't just wipe it, blot it. It was hilarious. You have to see it to, to get how funny that was. But um, it was a really good movie. Please go see that. Go see it. <laughs> I know. I feel like my like credibility should be revoked because I love Denzel Washington, and anytime anyone ever speaks about Denzel, one of his top movies that people always talk about are American Gangster. I don't know why I've never sat down to actually watch it. It's just one of those things that it's just not happened. But I know it's like I can't believe that there was such a fantastic cast in that movie. 
Yeah, yeah. And let me see, because I'm trying to see who the um, director was, because that, I think, sold me even more on this movie before I saw it, because I remember seeing the trailer um, when I was in the movie theaters, and I was just like, wow, this is crazy. Let me see the um, the director. The director was uh, Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott directed this. Um, and wow, like like I said, I'm looking at this cast again. Great cast, great, great, great cast. No, I know that's this is now another movie that my boyfriend's in the background going, "You're bugging out. What do you mean you've never seen American Gangster?" It's just uh, apparently just one of those things. I don't know how I'm going to be able to top off from that choice. I had another choice, and I quickly like like scratched away because I was like, "There's no way that that's going to like, you know, like." counter American Gangster. I will say really quick what I was going to pick, but I'm not picking it now, but it's going to be an honorable mention, was Walk the Line by Joaquin Phoenix. Um, I mean, not by Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix's performance. I'm not going to put that down as my official number one, Um, but before we get to number one, as I always do, I'm going to go through the number 10 list of what we've done, because this is the top 10 movies based on real-life events. Um, number 10, we had The Pursuit of Happiness. Number 9, we had Remember the Titans. Number 8, we had The Wolf on Wall Street. Number 7, we had Legend. Number 6, we had Goodfellas. Number 5, we had 13 Hours. Number 4, we had Ray. Number 3, we had Puncture. Number 2, we had American Gangster. And I'm glad that you mentioned that one guy in American Gangster because I'm going to ask you again how to pronounce his name. But for number 1, um, I'm putting 12 Years of Slave as uh, the best movie uh, based on real-life events. How the hell do I pronounce his name, Joan? Because it, I can never do it. I, I'm saying, I don't know if it's right to you, but I'm saying Chitelli Etchefor, but I don't think that's right. <laughs> well, Chitelli Etchefor, that's what I'm going to go with as well. This movie was absolutely just like, first of all, Steve McQueen, who was the director, every movie of his has been just, like, I've seen Hunger, I've seen Shame. If you've never seen those movies prior, those are really fantastic movies by this director as well. Also starring Michael Fassbender, who is 12 Years a Slave, so you can see clearly he likes to use that same actor. But um, it, I saw 12 Years a Slave kind of towards the end of its theater run, um, and when I did, I was just, like, my, like, jaw just couldn't, like, be picked up from the floor because what Steve McQueen does in his movies, because he did it also in Hunger and he also did it in Shame, is that he has this uh, moment always where he forces the audience to stare at what's happening on screen, even though it's incredibly uncomfortable. And in 12 Years a Slave, when he did that was when he pretty much had that scene of Chattel Etchafor uh, hanging from the tree and all you heard was like the background noises, which in my background noises you can hear uh, police sirens, but in that movie you have <laughs> in that movie you, you know, just hear like birds whistling, you hear people in the back just kind of talking and going about their day, but what you're forced to watch is this poor man just 
being strangled from a rope on a tree and no one's helping him. He's on his tippy toes and there's no like uh, distracting background music, like typical like cinematic things. He's just forcing you to watch and it's the camera's not moving from that. And to me, that was just like that scene alone. I was like, holy shit. But the whole movie, I mean, to see what this poor man went through and you had Benedict Cumberbatch, by the way, in this, which I do not think that he can do an American accent to save his life, but that's besides the point. And then Michael Fassbender in this movie was an absolute monster. He was so sad in it. And, of course, we have Lupita Nyong'o, who her performance was just so powerful. And the whole entire movie, I mean, and then if you, like, read back um, on the – character on the real life person this is based off of apparently like he was went missing like two years after being freed so I mean just like the horrors that he went through and this movie and just everything that went in Sarah Paulson was in it first of all you have like all these fantastic actors just giving it their all I mean I can name so many scenes from this movie that stood out like such as uh, Lupita Nyong'o's character just wanting a freaking bar of soap because Michael Fassbender's wife doesn't want her to bathe because he knows that uh, Michael Fassbender's character is like sexually assaulting her as if that's Lupita Nyong'o's fault. But it's during this time that it's just so horrific in American history that that's how it is. And so I definitely have to put 12 Years a Slave as the number one on this list. Um, and, Juwan, please tell me that you have seen 12 Years a Slave. I have not. I actually, I, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I can't watch slave movies. Um, it, 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 it builds a fire in me that I, that I don't enjoy. Um, it's just really hard to watch them. Um, so I have not seen 12 Years a Slave. Um, I'm really hoping to continue that streak of not seeing movies like that. Um, but you know, from from just the cast alone, I, like I know Lupita won an Oscar for her performance in in Twelve Years a Slave, so I know it's good. Um, but it, it to me sometimes these slave movies are are too good, um, in the sense of being too accurate, uh, right. and it's just it I, it bothers me, um, so I don't watch them. I, I don't watch them. I think the only one I could safely say I've seen that was somewhat of a slave movie um, was um, uh, Matthew Broderick, uh, Denzel, Morgan Freeman, uh, whatever the name of that movie was. I think that Glory, I think, no, was it? I, I don't know. Anyway, I think that was the only one I've seen. But I've not seen 12 Years of Slave. But Tia, you know how much I love Michael Fassbender. He's, it's like... <laughs> already etched in my, my history book that he's our new Dr. Doom. Um, Chitelli, I, I think, is a, is a great actor. I don't think he should have been Scar, but that's not, that's not his fault. Um, Lupita, I love. Um, Benedict, I agree with you, probably shouldn't. It, it, Benedict is one of those actors that it's like he could do other, uh, I don't want to say slangs, but like other languages, but it's kind of like his British one is the one, obviously, that he was born with, so it's his strongest. But it's so strong 
that it's like I, I can't really hear him. Like you listen to Taron Egerton, you listen to him as Eggsy in Kingsman, and then you listen to him do an interview about that movie. You're like, oh, those are two different people. But he does it so well. Benedict, it kind of seems like it's it's physically hurting him to not be British when he speaks. Um, like I just watching Endgame again and hearing him talking there, I'm just like, I feel like he changes up like the um his voice a little bit like in the course of that movie um, because it's so hard to just do that. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely uh, take your word for it because I probably won't ever watch it. But um, it is the fact that Lupita got an Oscar for it says that that movie definitely deserves to be on this list. And I completely like respect your decision for not seeing the movie. Um, just so you know, like Michael Fassbender was just an absolute monster in that movie because he plays uh, a plantation slash slave owner who eventually gets um, the main character because the main character, I'm just going to call him the main character because I am butchering his name so badly. Chitelli. Um, just, just if you could do Chitelli, you're good. You're good. Don't worry okay. about his last name. Just Chitelli. Uh, <laughs> so, like, I'm sure that you have at least heard the story. If not, you know, the like butchered explanation is that he was a free man in the north, uh, got tricked to perform because he was a, I think a violinist, um, and he got tricked essentially into going into performing, not knowing that they were going to send him down to the south to then auction him off. He starts off with Benedict Cumberbatch, um, and then because, uh, and this is going to sound incredibly ironic, I'm just saying it for the context of the movie, he was a quote-unquote nice plantation owner and actually very much liked Chitelli, but because he had uh, workers for him who, you know, like white workers who just couldn't, like, stand Chitelli, they essentially looked to kill him. And so Benedict knew, Benedict's character knew that he couldn't keep him safe, so then auctioned him off, and then he went with Michael Fassbender, who just, like, uh, he like, frequently raped Lupita Nyong'o's character. He was, his character was married to Sarah Paulson, and she was incredibly hateful towards Lupita Nyong'o's character and did everything in her power to make her life an absolute living hell. So all of the, like, performances there were just so intense. And, again, the director, Steve McQueen, is this fantastic director who shows ugliness on screen and make sure he doesn't do anything that can distract you from actually watching it because as I said before there's a scene where Chitelli's character gets lynched but he's on his tippy toes and instead of just like showing that for say like a second and going away or doing like this distracting like Hollywood music he just has pretty much the background noise and just like I have to say it was like a solid minute of just showing that on screen because he wanted you to see, like, this is what really happened. This is, you know, the horrors that, you know, we can't shy away from that happened in American history. And to me, that's what, like, was really strong in his storytelling for that movie. So I understand you not wanting to see the movie. I'm just saying that, to me, it was one of the, like, most intense movies I've ever seen. I would put it 
on par with Adrian Brody's performance in The Pianist because it was just stark and raw. And to me, I had never seen Gitelli in a movie prior to this. And I never obviously seen Lupita Nyong'o in a movie prior to this. And both of them did absolutely fantastic jobs. I know that Lupita won an Oscar. I'm pretty sure Gitelli won something as well. I, I'm i not sure. I wasn't sure if he did or not. Because um, I remember the big talk coming out of that movie around the award season was um, Lupita winning. So I'm not sure if he won also. I, I don't think he did. I don't think he did. Cause I, I would have I would have remembered that being like a huge deal, like him winning that, for that. I know that the movie won an Oscar. Right. I think it, it right. won that year. To me, just what like he stood out. Obviously, Lupita stood out. Stood out. But as you said, like Michael Fassbender is one of my favorite actors of all time, and I've never truly seen him be like bad, bad. Obviously, he plays Magneto, but you know you can kind of like go back and forth with that. He is like absolutely horrific in this movie. Um, and just to kind of touch upon really quick with the Benedict Cumberbatch and his accent thing, like Tom Holland is British. And to me, he's completely right. he's completely convincing as an American. Like when I first heard yeah. him talking, when I first heard him talking in an interview, I was like, "Shut the front door!" I was like, "No." Or like Killian Murphy, who has like the thickest Irish accent ever, can make it pretty convincing that he's or, playing an American. Or even the the ultimate test, um, and it completely blew me away when I was younger. Hugh Jackson. <laughs> Like, I'm like, yeah. yeah, you listen to Hugh Jackman, and then I'm like, I heard him in an interview, and I'm like, maybe he's trying to be funny, and then I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Like, oh, no, this is his real accent. <laughs> Wolverine <laughs> is the fake accent. I was like, oh, okay. I would have never guessed yeah. it. <laughs> I would have never guessed it. Hugh Jackman. Um, Christian Bale, to me, also is very convincing. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't know if Benedict Cumberbatch just doesn't have the capacity or – he needs to get a better voice coach, but they should have, like, <laughs> for Dr. Strange, just said, you know what? You can be British. We don't need to make you an American. You can be British. It, w- it would have worked just fine. You have Tom Hiddleston and Chris Hemsworth using their real voices. You could I have mean, let Senator Cumberbatch. Look, I tell you what. We could do a trade. Tell Elizabeth Olsen. She could just talk uh, a regular <laughs> accent. And then you give you give Doctor Strange uh, a British accent, so that you can kind of balance it out. Because for the life of me, I despise when she tries to do Russian, and it just sounds so flawed. And I feel sorry for her because I'm like, it's not her fault. She's only doing what the directors are telling her to do. But who thought it was smart to give her an accent? It's just bad. So, but well, yeah. her her and Aaron Taylor Johnson. I mean, that, that yeah, I'm he was t- worse. I'm convinced that they would have kept Quicksilver in the MCU. They would have done the same exact thing that they did with Elizabeth Olsen. She said, you know what? Forget all that shit that Josh Whedon told you to do. Just go to your regular voice because, as you see, it kind of, like, went away throughout the years. It has. It it comes back here and there, but (laughs) I think sometimes they forget that we know that their character – um, was I guess supposed to be some form of Russian. Um, so then when you hear her go, hey, what's up, Cap? And I'm like, oh, wait, hold on. What? <laughs> like, 
where'd the accent just go? Like, you guys think I'm stupid, but, but yeah. If they could switch it out, give Benedict uh, what she has and give her what he's trying to do, the balance should work. I, I would say so. I agree with that. But um, So we have some time left, and I know that we wanted to do some honorable mentions, so uh, I'm going to let you kind of, like, go through them because it seemed like you had a, a, a good list. You could have probably done, like, up 20 at this point. Yeah, hold on. Let me um, – I, I exit out of it. Hold on. I wasn't sure if we had the time. Hold on. Let me bring it back up. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right, but, yeah, so my honorable mentions, one of them was going to be um, Man on Fire. Man on Fire, Denzel, Dakota Fanning. Whew, man, was that a good movie. So I'm going to just name five. I, I'm not going to name my, my huge list. I'll just name five, and then I'll pass it back to you. Um, I'm going to go Lawless. I'm going to go The Boy in the mm. Striped Pajamas. I'm going to go, like I said, Man on Fire. I'm going to go Argo. Um, let me see. Man on Fire, Argo, um, Boy in the Striped Pajamas, Lawless. Oh, I, I have my five. So the one more I'll throw in. I didn't know my five would go that quickly. Um, two more I want to throw in is um, There Will Be Blood, uh, mm-hmm. because I don't think as Geek Vibes Nation, we have pre, uh, we talk about um, Daniel Day-Lewis as much as we should. So I want to go There Will Be Blood, and I actually want to go His Portrayal in Lincoln um, as as my last one. But I have so many more, but I want to go to – actually, you know what? Nope. Lie to you. Take Lincoln out. I'm going to put The Last King of Scotland in there. Forrest uh, <laughs> Whitaker, brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant in that movie. So, yeah, that's my short honorable mention. I can't believe I forgot about Lawless because I absolutely love that freaking movie. I still say yeah. to this day that, first of all, it is like the movie that kind of started changing me on Shia LaBeouf. Because prior to that, I only really knew him from the Transformers movies. I couldn't stand him in the Transformers movie. I thought he was terrible. When I first saw Lawless, like, I obviously was just watching it for Tom Hardy. But then I was like, I kind of like him. Like, yes, I know he still kind of plays like a little bit of a whiny bitch, um, Shia LaBeouf, but like it was proper in that context. Um, and I just love Wallace. I could like continue watching that. Tom Hardy's performance is absolutely effing amazing. Just like a freaking powerhouse in that. And I really like Jason Clark, which I think that you and I may, or someone may have talked about this at during a previous show that like Jason Clark maybe not be that great of an actor uh, after his performance in Pet Cemetery, but I thought he was fantastic in Lawless as the uh, the essentially um, uh, unhinged and uh, wild brother in that case. But yeah, Tom Hardy was so good, and I think uh, because. I didn't really read the book. I read, like, some parts of the book that it was based off of, which obviously then was based off of this real-life family, the Bondurants. But his character, Forrest Bondurant, was supposed to be a lot thinner and a lot scrawnier than Tom Hardy. But at the time, I think he had just finished filming The Dark Knight Rises. So that's why they always show him with, like, a thousand sweaters on because they're trying to, like, make you – forget the fact that he's so massive, which then kind of made him just, like, a little bit more massive in that case. But yeah. the real Forrest Bondurant was not supposed to be that bulky. But either way, 
And Tom Hardy is also another person that doesn't do the best job of covering his British accent. He can do different, yeah. he can do different types of British accents because if you see his movies, like I just saw um, freaking Locke, where he's in the car the whole time, like that as opposed to him in Legends and a bunch of other movies where he still has his British accent, he can do like different like tones from different regions, I guess, but whenever you put him in a movie, like, where you have to have an American accent, like The Revenant, um, even though he was absolutely fantastic in that, and Lawless, but obviously the worst. <laughs> and I like Venom, but that was not a Brooklyn accent. That was not at all a guy from Brooklyn uh, sounding at all. But, yeah, Tom Hardy's just, like, absolutely phenomenal. So you give him a pass, and he was I just had to point that out from your list because I really love the movie Lawless. Yeah, I will say what helps him with not really speaking all that clear in Lawless is the fact that he grunted the entire movie. <laughs> um, so it was like, you know, couldn't really hear what he was trying to say because he was grunting a lot. Um, but Lawless to me is, um, is, to me, I find to be underrated, very underrated. Um, because if you're a fan of good acting, that movie is nothing but good acting, top to bottom. Um, but oh, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's my short list of honorable mentions. I do have to say before I go to my list of honorable mentions, uh, Jessica Chastain, I think that was the movie that kind of really got her more into mainstream uh, Hollywood, because before that, people really didn't know who she was. And her performance in Lawless, I think she even said, was kind of like the catalyst into her getting bigger roles in other movies and bringing her to being a more of a household name. That scene where uh, Forrest is getting like ready to go and she finally essentially reveals that she was like raped by those two guys but she didn't need to say anything. He just needed to look at her and, like, know finally what she was talking about. That was so good. And she's like, what, you thought that you just walked to the hospital with your freaking throat slit open? And he was just like, that scene still gives me, like, chills. I love that freaking scene in Lawless. But um, so I guess my little honorable mentions, as I said before, uh, Walk the Line with Joaquin Phoenix where he played Johnny Cash. I just thought it was so good. Like, Joaquin Phoenix, he's a great actor, but I still don't think that he's given as good a performance as anything else other than, like, Walk the Line. I just thought that he was superb in portraying uh, the real-life singer Johnny Cash, and Reese Witherspoon was fantastic in that movie as well. Um, I am also going to put Inglorious Bastards, because it was kind of based on a real-life group of Jewish uh, soldiers who looked to take down Nazis. So Quentin Tarantino did draw a little bit of inspiration from a real-life group of uh, people during World War II. And I like the movie Miracle. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's a hockey movie. I just love that movie so much. Um, The telling that they did based on uh, the American hockey team that looked to defeat the Russian hockey team during, like, the 1980 Olympics. Um, and most of the character, most of the people in that movie were real-life hockey players, so I thought that was really cool. They wanted to get the authenticity of it um, by not really casting actor-actors. They casted 
like hockey players, which I thought was cool. And definitely I have to put Lion on there because that has to be like one of my favorite movies of all time. I don't know if you've ever seen Lion. Um, it's with Dev Patel, and that was just like such a good movie, like such a freaking good movie um, to watch, like based off this real life tale. So that's my little short list of honorable mentions. Anytime you put in Glorious Bastards on the list, I, I, I'm I, I'm going to be a huge fan of it. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And Glorious Bastards to me. Um, is a classic. Like, there's, there's, I can't find one bad thing about that movie. And again, it's another movie on our list, or, or rather our short list, that has a huge cast of great actors and actresses. And mm-hmm. speaking of that movie, I just um, heard an interview where they were saying, remember when um, Christoph Waltz's character was choking out, I uh, can't remember her name, but she's a really good actress was choking her out uh, when she was in his office. Do you remember that scene? Oh, you know what I'm talking about? That scene was so intense. All right. You want to know something crazy about that scene? Uh-oh. Quentin Tarantino yeah. had told her, um, he had told her how he wanted that scene to be authentic. He wanted it to be real. So he was like, all right, hear me out, but I'm going to choke you, and it's going to be real. I'm going to choke you close to where you pass out. Um, just so we can get the authenticity of it. And she said, okay. So he legit choked her out, and they said it was so good and so compelling, it only took one take. And I'm like, well, thank God, because I I don't know if I'm her, how many times I'm looking for you to choke the life out of me um, (laughs) for you to get your authenticity of this movie. But, um, But, no, it just goes to show you how, you know, how dedicated uh, Quentin Tarantino is on making sure that his movies are authentic. Like, there's nothing that you see that you go, that's nah, not real. Um, so I just thought you'd like to know, like, how, how crazy that was. And he told her, like, hey, I'm going to choke you. You're just going to have to kind of be okay with it. <laughs> that's insane. And I, I'm glad that it only took one take because, as you said, I'm not sure how many times I'd be okay with uh being slammed down to the ground and, like, choked to the point of, like, passing out just for the movie. I'd be like, I hope there was, like, a medic on hand just to make sure that <laughs> everything, like, went well. Christoph Waltz, by the way, was, like, phenomenal in that movie. Um, and certainly I think that was probably the first time I'd seen him in a movie, which then put him on my radar. And uh, Michael Fassbender was in that film, one of the best yes, he scenes. was in the entire movie with uh, them down in that cavern and just that whole thing was so good. Uh, another fun fact, and I don't know if you know this, you probably do just because uh, I feel like you know a lot, Juan, but uh, <laughs> that apparently Quentin Tarantino had wanted Adam Sandler to play a part of the Bear Jew. Um, that uh, character had a lot more lines and a lot more scenes uh, because he had intended it to be Adam Sandler. And then when Adam Sandler wasn't available to do it, he brought in Eli Roth. And because Eli Roth really isn't so much of an actor, he's more known for, you know, his directorial work. Because of that, uh, Quentin Tarantino decided to cut back on a lot of the lines and a lot of the scenes, feeling that probably his acting wasn't as strong which I had to disagree with because he's probably one of my favorite freaking characters. I mean, when he, like, knocked that Nazi's, like, head off with a freaking baseball bat, like, 
That was the best shit ever. Yeah, I will say the dialogue on that entire scene I thought was classic where Brad goes <laughs> Brad goes to him and he goes, So what are you gonna do if we let you go? And he goes, um, I, I won't tell anyone. I won't tell anyone. And he goes, yeah, that's going to be a problem, see, because we want you <laughs> to tell people. And then he, like, he carves a huge swastika in his forehead. Like, Brad Pitt was just freaking amazing in that movie. That that was such a good movie. I'll tell you what. You talk about dialogue, but best, it was during that same scene, the one Nazi who was like, no, fuck you. And uh, freaking Brad Pitt goes, Donnie, this man wants to die for his country. Oblige him. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Oblige him. <laughs> Oblige him. <laughs> Brad Pitt was so good in that movie, especially when they, he was like, I know Italian, and he, all he can say is like, freaking Barnberno. And I was like, this is hilarious. This is so freaking good. Like, Inglorious Bastards really is just like, top-notch Quentin Tarantino movie. We need to have, like, um, a Geeks Against the Grain or something when we go through, like, Quentin Tarantino's best movies, like, what we think makes, like, just a stellar Tarantino film. I mean, they're all good, but, like, I have to say that I think that Inglourious Bastards is probably his best. See, that's tough for me, because I, I don't think I could ever pick a best Quentin Tarantino movie. Um, because they're all so different. Um, like, you know, he, he doesn't make one style of movie. Um, and that's rare. That's rare you get a director that can make multi... Like, if he even if he even comes out and does the Star Trek uh, film, I think he'll be the most... Uh, com- I don't want to say complex, but the most diverse director in a sense of none of his films feels like the other. Like, Kill Bill doesn't feel the same as Inglorious Bastards. Um you could maybe say the style of it in the sense of the heavy dialogue, the very little action, but when there is action, it's really good. Um, but I, I don't think I could pick one, Sia. I, I would suck on that episode because I couldn't pick just one. <laughs> I will say, and I know this really isn't very much on topic, but who cares? Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Django Unchained and The Hateful Eight were both technically Westerns. So I guess you can say in that case that he did kind of stick with the same, like, at least uh, universe, I want to say, or time period for his uh, films, even though obviously they told two totally different stories. But they both were kind of uh, during that time after the Civil War uh, with race tensions and all of that. Yeah, you you could – somewhat compare it. The only difference is if you watch Django and then watch um, the other movie like Back to Back, they they still don't feel the same. They feel like two different periods in Western in Western history. Um, so I'd even say, like, the biggest thing I'm trying to say is Martin Scorsese makes gangster films. Like that's just, I mean, he's made other films, definitely, but he makes gangster films. Um, like, that's his, that's his calling card. What I love about Quentin Tarantino is that I don't think he has a calling card. He doesn't have a, my movie has to be this because this is my lane. Like, there is no lane. He creates his own narrative, um, and he creates his own feel. So even watching those two movies that are indeed both Western, they still feel completely different. Um, but, no, I, I, I get your point in that sense. But that's, 
few and far between. Like, he doesn't right. have a lot of movies that are the same. Um, so that's that's where I tip my hat off in. But, yeah, if we ever did a Geeks Against the Grain episode for that, Tia, I would have you moderate because I wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do it. You'd be like, all right, Juwan, so what's your favorite? All of them. Like, all of them. Every last one of them. So I'd suck on that episode. Well, that will certainly be interesting. I think maybe something we should do in the future. But um, so, you know, speaking about Geeks Against the Grain, I would say that we're probably towards the end of this podcast and this list. I think that we had an awesome list for the top 10 movies based on real life events. Um, and I want you to tell everyone what can we look, uh, look for, uh, since I think we have a few uh, shows that we're doing today. Yes, we have Geek Vibes Live will be out today. Me, Nick, and Tia, and Kanan finally coming back from wherever he's been for the past month. Um, (laughs) Kanan, the silent assassin, will be on today's episode of Geek Vibes Live. I won't even tell you guys the topics because it's just so many. Um, So just make sure you stay tuned. And then tonight's Geeks Against the Grain, we will be debating what will, when it's all said and done, when the dust clears, what will be the number one overall movie um, between uh, Avatar and Endgame? Because we now know Endgame is doing a re-release. Um, to everyone who's complaining about that, remember Avatar did a re-release also. Um, so all's love and, and, you know, in trying to take over that number one spot. But <laughs> it's going to be fun regardless, uh, debating, you know, who we who everyone thinks will be the king uh, when it's all said and done out of the two of them. So that's going to be a lot of fun. So those are our two shows tonight. Um, and, yeah, that's, that's about it. Well, uh, I will certainly see you for those two shows later today. Again, Joan, thank you so much for being here. Uh, everyone who's listening, thank you as well. Make sure that you keep an eye on uh, geek5nation.com and all of us on our social media platforms such as Twitter, Facebook, uh, we even have an Instagram for more news, and we'll be doing these top tens every Sunday. So thank you all, and have a great rest of your Sunday. Peace.